Uh, excuse me, I had some Oreo creamsters earlier. <laughs> <They seem laughs> Is that a repeat- code word for something? <laughs> <laughs> they seem to re- be repeating on me. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Now we're up to the latest hit by English singer Phil Collins. The Zingers. Whose husband are you, dog face? <laughs> Whose husband are you looking for? <laughs> and the self-indulgence. Chicks dig me. Because I rarely wear underwear. And when I do, it's usually something unusual. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears, with TampaBay.com. And today we honor the stage-to-screen phenomenon we like to call Rock of Ages. I think due to the changing nature of the music industry, the change in uh, cultural trends, and uh, when you think of blah, 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 and blah, 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 you make sure that you want to take in blah, blah, blah. With me as always, he's the Stacey Jacks to my Drew Bowley. <laughs> Times pop music critic Sean Day. Woo! I'm on my way. I love it. I'm jacked, baby. I'm Stacey Jacks. I'm the Stacey Jacks of this show. Oh, it's been a long time since we sat in front of the microphones, but we, we, we held off for a good reason because just two nights ago, Daly and I and uh, Times film uh, critic Steve Persall sat down, held hands, and watched a special preview of Rock of Ages. Magic. Yeah. I mean, the big thing was whether you would cry at the end, like you sobbed like a little bitch at the end of the (laughs) stage show. And uh, you said you did mist up a bit, right? Yeah, not as much as I thought I would, though. Be- because as we're, as we're about to reveal uh, over the course of this show, um, Rock of Ages, the movie, is not perfect. But neither were the 80s. <laughs> wow, deep. Is that your whole, is that your thesis? And, and that's think, our show. Yeah. <laughs> we'll the irony is week. that I, uh, I think I happen to like, out of the three of us, Rock of Ages, the movie, the best. Um, absolutely in love with the Tom Cruise character, Stacey Jacks. I think we were all in love with Tom Cruise after this movie. Yeah, tell a little bit about the history of Rock of Ages as a stage show as it progressed to a movie. Let's let's fill people in. A lot of people probably already saw uh, Rock of Ages on stage. It uh, began as a stage musical back in 2005, playing on Hollywood Boulevard in L.A., of course. Yeah. What a magical place to put it. Um, It has had various incarnations over the years. It's been in Vegas. Uh, it opened off uh, Broadway. It's uh, still playing today on Broadway at the Helen Hayes Theater. At what point, American Idol uh, was a finalist? Uh, Constantine Morales? Morales? Morales. Morales. You're somewhere. You're somewhere in the neighborhood, yeah. Achmel. 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 I don't. He joins the cast as Drew Boley. The, uh, the Drew Boley. Of- I didn't even know the guy had a last name. Sherry and Drew. Drew Boley. I didn't know she had a last name. Chris- Christian, Sister Christian, moron. But it's not obvious. Keep going. Now it's obvious. The great thing about uh, Rock of Ages is that um, 
the play is that you have a, a live band there. Right, Arsenal. You know, Arsenal's a live band playing, and in the movie, Stacey Jacks, you know, is, is the, in lead the band singer, Arsenal, and he's yeah. about to go solo. Keep going. Keep yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so it was, it was fun. And, and, and uh, Daly and I saw it last year when it rolled through Tampa Bay, and we talked to Constantine on the podcast. Yeah. Had a great time, met him in person. I have no recollection of that. I remember meeting him at an after party after we saw the, the, yeah. the play. Right, we did. Uh, and uh, that was like the pseudo first date of. Uh, me and my girlfriend. I remember that. We called it like our all, half first date. I remember all the awkwardness. I was sweating a lot. I filled night. a lot of the silences. I filled a lot of other things too. Oh. No, why? Why are you do? Why? That? This is such a nice show. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, uh, the so, thing about Rock of Ages, the stage show, is that it really messed with the fourth wall again. It was very much an interactive play with the audience, almost like a newfangled Rocky Horror Picture Show. Whereas the movie, of course. Um, up on the silver screen is not going to be able to play with the fourth walls much. It's not going to be interactive. Maybe it will be someday if it becomes a cult thing. So how do you take the stage show and turn it into a movie? I thought they were a lot more successful than you did and Steve Persall. Why don't you read Steve Persall's, um, his review, the, right. the lead real quick. Now, you ever, everyone knows Persall from uh, previous podcasts like uh, I think he was here for Indiana Jones and he was here for the Star Trek episode yeah. and Oscars in the 80s. And the guy knows film. And uh, so you always read his reviews um, when he writes about something you're, you're considering seeing about Rock of Ages, which I didn't think he was going to go in there with a very open mind, but he did. He's a big fan of director uh, Adam, Adam Shankman, Shankman yeah. who had done Hairspray. And so right. he went in there thinking this was going to be a great movie or a very good movie. And what he had to say was... Rock of Ages is nothing but a good time and sometimes less. <gasps> Slogging through the knee-deep hoopla of the 80s nostalgia at jukebox pace. The stage version is remarkably thin beyond its retro hit songs. The movie adaptation magnifies that fault. Bang your head one minute and shake it in bewilderment next. Harsh. I think his uh, letter grade, if you want to sum it up that way, was a B-. minus. Um, you know, he was, he, he was down on it. He was, I mean, we all loved... Tom Cruise. So what you have is you have this movie set in the the bourbon room, the fictional bourbon room, uh, kind of like the Whiskey A Go Go, which really exists on the Sunset Strip. So Sunset Strip, circa 1987, all the hair metal, all the uh, the glam, the decadence, that sort of thing. Tom Cruise is essentially an Axl Rose character. In the play, Stacy Jacks is kind of a almost villainous, more of a buffoon, more of a buffoon, villainous, uh, rapes a girl. I wouldn't say rapes <laughs> Yeah, you never do. Uh, and, uh, but in the movie, because Tom Cruise came in and said, listen, I'll play this deluded guy, but he's not going to be, you know, he could be an anti-hero, but he's not going to be an a-hole. Right. You know, so, and then he, there's some sort of redemption for him. And also, that's one big plot. Then the, the other plot, the main one is uh, Sherry and Drew are these young innocents in Hollywood and they get they both want to be rock stars and they get sucked into this kind of underbelly but in a comical way I mean it's never like it's not like some pensive drama they get sucked you know she becomes a stripper he he, he becomes even worse uh, a boy band singer and uh, but also it's a lot of fun and I thought the biggest uh, I thought the music was actually pretty good yeah. because everybody really gets it. You're not going to go in and uh, they don't really reinvent the songs, but they still celebrate the song's largeness, you know, and you have Tom Cruise and Mary J. Blige, who plays a strip club uh, madam, right. if you will, are just kill it. And they are by far the best things in the movie. Yeah, yeah.
my problem with the movie is that the plot works out pretty much exactly as the plot of any episode of Love Boat. Yeah. You know, lovers meet, have a misunderstanding, and magically pull it back together just in time for the closing credits. Um, a lot of people, including, I think you said this, and Persal said this, that uh, Diego Bonetta, yeah. is that his name? Yeah, that's who, true. Uh, we probably, who, who none of us 80s fans probably know, but the new generation of uh, kids these days probably recognize him from 90210, the, the reboot of the TV series. He plays Drew, and Julian Huff plays uh sherry Sherry christian yeah but and and she might be a little bit better known because she was in what the reboot of footloose footloose yeah and she's also in dancing with the stars right and she dates ryan seacrest does she really she's a lot younger than he is and yet it's still magic everyone says that her looks in this movie don't work but i think they work great i think she looks perfectly 80s to me she's got the fair faucet by the way i gotta say what I got to say, this is kind of my sort of movie, because at least three of the people in this movie are in real-life relationships where there's a large discrepancy in age. You have Catherine Zeta-Jones. This is just a little aside that everyone can enjoy. Go maybe a popcorn snack. Go get some snack. Come back to the podcast. Catherine Zeta-Jones and Tom uh, and uh, Michael Douglas, 25-year difference. Catherine Zeta-Jones in the movie as kind of a Tipper Gore, uh, the PRMC uh, mom, you know, tight-ass mom, trying to shut down the bourbon room and the decadence. You got Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes, huge age discrepancy there as well. And then Julianne Huff and Ryan Seacrest, huge age. Do you see a trend? I see a string of rationalizations. <laughs> uh, I'm trending. Whatever helps you I'm sleep trending. at night, my friend. Uh, I'm not sleeping. We all grow Stacey old. Stacy Jacks. We all grow old. Dead or alive. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the side characters, because obviously um, there's a lot of other A-list stars in this movie. Besides- what do you think of the look of the movie? It looks good. It looks fake. Oh, I thought the the bourbon room looked like pretty filthy. Yeah, oh yeah. But I'm saying that it's set in uh, L.A. and set in Hollywood, but it's filmed in Fort Lauderdale. That's kind of odd. I know. Um, there's scene. It's it's it's. You remember like this the musicals of the 50s and the 40s, where the obviously the backdrop was, you know, of the of the Irish hills was obviously painted on a wall five yeah, feet yeah. beyond yeah, behind like where they were singing in the rain or something. I felt exactly the same way about this. I felt like there wasn't a single scene. Why don't you say that, something nice about it, That dude? was set where... Well, I'm just saying... I'm, I'm going to say the bad stuff first. I'm going to say the good stuff for later. It doesn't... It looks fake. I didn't think it... I thought um, it looked great. There's a scene where she gets off a, a Greyhound bus, and you see the Capitol Record building just to, to the to the right. Where you just, stayed in a hotel right across hotel from right there, because I stayed there. Yeah. There's no Greyhound station there. So What? I'm just saying, you know, why couldn't you film it in Hollywood? Hollywood hasn't changed that much in 20 years. It is years. odd how everything's filmed in Hollywood, and yet a movie about Hollywood, Hollywood is filmed in Fort Lauderdale. Why would you do that? That is kind of strange. But a lot of them are set pieces. There's not a lot of outdoor stuff. A lot of them are in. And I'm surprised they had to go down there for like, because basically the bourbon room, is that recreated somewhere else? Looks like it was probably a set It was somewhere. probably somewhere in, in, in Fort Lauderdale. It's probably, Here's the thing about probably the Probably Denny's now. I love the look of the movie. What I really like, and I know we're going to spend probably spend more time on Tom Cruise later, is that Tom Cruise looks Tom Cruise. like a rock god. He looked like a rock star. How many movies have we seen, whether it's Rebecca De Mornay and The Slugger's Wife, or whomever <laughs> on stage, it. where somebody looks is trying to portray a rocker on stage, and it looks phony. I'll even say Diane Lane 
in um, Streets of Fire. <gasps> You're saying she looks phony? But Tom Cruise looks take, like an 80s rock star. Oh, take it back. Diane Lane totally sells me as Ellen Ames. And, uh, <laughs> You're a moron. She's a gentleman Do you want to do this star. show or not? Do you want to do this show or not? Okay. Yeah, do you... Don't make me do it. Boy, that was like... You you went back to yeah, Vegas girlfriend right skills. there. I have what skills. the hell are you doing? Let's talk about someone else besides Tom Cruise. No, no, damn it, because he's amazing. You didn't think he looked like a rock star. No, I think he looks exactly like a rock star. All right, go ahead, do your thing. Talk about whoever you Alec want. Alec Baldwin as the uh, the club owner, Dennis Dupree, who who values rock and rye over politics. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, he was good. Uh, Paul Giamatti is is fantastic. As the uh, as a slime oozing uh, record manager, uh, I thought Brian Cranston wasted in this role. Yeah, he well, plays he, the mayor. Well, of, that was uh, a totally LA. like I, invented role. Yeah, right? Here's the thing, too, is that is that is that movies like um, that are based on musicals. It, it it's easier to be campy on stage than it is on screen. And a plot that works on stage sometimes just doesn't work. On oh screen. Jesus, that Brian Cranston stuff! Like some of those scenes were real parking breaks. Although this is uh, someone we really disagree on, Catherine Zeta-Jones, who plays his tight-assed wife. You know, Can we say ass on the show. Uh, yeah, um, I thought she, I think she's great. I loved her in Chicago. I love Catherine Zeta-Jones. I think she's a a beautiful woman, a great mm. singer, a fun dancer. I thought she was really good. I don't like her for some reason. And she has a secret in the movie. There's a reason why she wants to shut down the Bourbon Club and why she wants to shut down Stacey Jack. And it involves my favorite beverage. Oh, yeah, that is. They did give her a Wild Turkey shout-out, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. That's funny. I'd lit up like a... Was it Cool Whip and Wild Turkey? Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine how that would taste? I'm going to find out someday, my friend. But... um that's my problem. I mean, I mean, you have these these little small. I, I think Mary J. Blige, her role could have been uh, uh, grown bigger. Take Brian's role, the mayor, make it smaller. I there's just a lot. Of, I have a lot of little quibbles because you know it's 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 a, it's a stage production that meant a lot to me. So when I see it turned onto a, into a movie, I my you my came, my expectations are a little higher. Can I can I say something? You almost came into this movie like thinking you were gonna hate it though. Uh, yeah. Why, why were you so unsure of like? God, I mean, is it because you were? Is it because it means so much to you that you think it's going to be? You yeah, know? there's a little bit of that, and there's a little bit of the fact that when was the last time you really saw a great um, musical on screen? I mean, since what? Since Greece? Um, I mean, or one, or like one that's really Chicago was good. It's good. Um, I mean, but like I'm a to think, there's gotta I mean, be like, like just just a classic. I mean, it's it's Greece. I mean, that was. 30 years ago, 35 years ago. Oh, man, that, you're, you're being kind of hard. There's got to be some sort of musicals that were uh, that killed uh, it, right? No, I don't know. I mean, I mean look, at you had um, the most recent example would be Mamma Mia. I didn't see the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, uh, it's better on stage. Everything's, a lot, most musicals are better on stage. For sure. It's where they fit. Yeah. But um, is, is the joy of the 80s still here? Oh, yeah. I want to rock! <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. Is this where you finally celebrate? This is where Steve Spears celebrates what he likes about rock. Is there, was there a moment in this show where they're playing hair metal and I'm starting to dig it? Yeah, you told me that yesterday. I was playing Poison at my desk yesterday. Uh, every Rose? No, nothing but a good time. <laughs> and I was just enjoying it. I was wrapping myself in the warmth of hair metal. 
I was starting to understand what Daly's been teaching me for seven years. Really? It was starting to it was starting to penetrate my Eeyore skin. <laughs> That's fun. So so yeah, this is goofy fun. It took a while. Exaggerated guitar solos. Hey, let's talk about uh, the music a little bit. Um, what were some of your favorite? Pick your three favorite numbers from the show. Wow, Shadows I'll- of the Night. Shadows of the Night is one of mine because that's Mary J. Blige doing Shadows of the Night and with a little bit of uh, Julianne Huff doing Hard My Heart. And uh, we should say the, the people doing the guy doing the mashups is Adam Anders, who also did them for the TV show. Glee. Glee, yeah. So um, some of them don't work. Like there's a scene that I didn't like between Drew and um, Sherry and Tower Records. You know, God bless Tower Records, them bringing that back. With Jukebox Hero and I Love Rock and Roll, which I didn't think was a really good mashup. Yeah, I understand what you mean. It didn't work. You know what, though? In that scene, I was not looking. I wasn't really listening. I was watching as they walked by all these bins of records. Oh, yeah. And you're seeing these album covers that you haven't seen in 20 years, 30 years sometimes. Ted Nugent, Molly Hatchet. You know, I'm like, I owned Molly Hatchet. Yeah. Mainly because I just thought the artwork was cool. But also because, you know, it was cool. Right. Yeah, no, it was cool seeing all that stuff. And then recreating Tower Records. I think they did a few things like that, you know, um... They got some really, really nice touches. Nice touches. Did you have a favorite song in the movie? Oh, God. Well, of course. It's um, when Tom Cruise, it's his first big song, uh, Wanted Dead or Alive. is the first time I can ever say that I enjoyed that song start to finish. And this is absolute, this is not trying to tick off anybody uh, out in Stuck in 80s land, but Steve and I both agree, and allow me to speak for you, we prefer the Tom Cruise, Stacey Jacks version of Wanted Dead or Alive over Bon Jovi's. Hand to God. I know. I absolutely do. And you guys will have to go see the movie, uh, but uh, it's such a great scene. And that scene where he just starts singing and explaining himself, you know, and you're like, man, Cruz really can sing. And a couple times with his songs, they, uh, I think you made it, you had some joke about Alvin and the Chipmunks, but um, they digitize, I think, for Paradise City, his voice so much it doesn't sound like him, but that Tom Cruise, like, nasally timber comes out in One of Dead or Alive, and then, we will, I don't want to give it away because it's a spoiler, but the first time in the movie you see him about 15, 20 minutes in. Right. It's is, a long time. Is, uh, is great, isn't it? Isn't it a great entrance? <laughs> I just remember what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, it's just a great, great entrance, and it's a lot of movies would screw that up. 
You know, I kind of got the feeling with uh, I equate Tom Cruise's role in this a little bit with um, Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow in the Pirates of the Caribbean, where. You know, there there are two. The, the you know you have Orlando Bloom and 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 Kieran Knightley in Pirates, and of course you have the other two in uh, Rock of Ages, and you have these couples, and they're kind of like the central plot, and then you almost have um you know the the the, the subplot and a side character is the star, you know, and I think Tom Cruise well agreed they might have used him actually a little too much. You know, That's like honest. a little bit less actually would have really like even more often, that more often, but shorter scenes would have worked. Yeah. Yeah. But he's great. I mean, there's not a false note in there. So let me ask you this. I mean, sure. uh, musicals, generally speaking, don't fare well at the Oscars. So I guess we can both agree that this movie will probably be passed up. For I, I totally disagree with you guys. You think an Oscar? I think Tom Cruise will get um, buzz. I think buzz will continue. Now, it's so early. You have... What six seven months before True. all that stuff? But I guarantee, if this movie were re- had been released in the fall, um, absolutely. But um, it's not a fall movie, though. It's not a fall movie. No, it's a summer movie. I mean, it's a fun movie. It's yeah. it's meant to be summer. Go out and have a good time. But I think definitely a Golden Globe. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I would say if he doesn't win it, a Golden Globe, I'd be shocked. I think it's the same thing. I, I don't. Uh, Johnny Depp wasn't nominated for an Oscar for Pirates for Sparrow, was he? Oh, Did he get he one? Might have been. He was but... in the conversation, but I want to say he wasn't. I mean, you know, he didn't win one. But what you do is you put those guys in Best Supporting Actor, which is always the the, the, the wild card character categories of the Oscars, and you never know what's going to happen. That's kind of where they let their hair down. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know. I would say you and Persaul. I mean, Persaul's the expert, and you know, you're pretty good too. You guys say no way will Cruz get a, a nomination, but I bet he's in the conversation now. If the movie tanks, which it. Sort of seems like it's going that direction. I don't understand why there's so many negative reviews about it. Right now, it. as we record this, I, I checked this morning, Rotten Tomatoes, which keeps track. What, what is it? 40% right now. It was so, 27% So it's climbing yesterday. a little bit. AP just came out today. They gave it a positive review. Oh, they did? Uh, Persol gave it a B-. Yeah. I, I, on the blog, wrote something about how uh, you need to go see it. If you're an 80s fan, you go see it. Um, it's not going to change your mind about the decade one way or another. But there's a lot of people, I think, out there who are going to see this movie um, and not get it. They're they're going to be expecting something more than it is. Let me ask you a question. Do you and 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 you, you we've talked about this before, right? Right after the movie, we we all went out for drinks and stuff like that. Um, and I asked you, or I said that Rock of Ages didn't feel like an inherently '80s movie. Yeah, you got your wine coolers in there. You got a scene with aquanetted hair, but it didn't really feel like a statement on the '80s. To I, don't think, to you? I don't think he was trying to make a statement about the 80s so much as just kind of capture a moment in time um, or capture several moments in time and sort of uh, smush them together into this sort of semi-coherent plot that is forced to follow, uh, you know, 10 or 20 hair metal anthems of the day. I, I don't think it – I think I think the problem is when it was first started on, on a stage, it was kind of come up – I bet it was almost like a – you know, off the cuff kind of daydream of an idea. Yeah. And the fact that it's gone all the way from that to um, this huge Hollywood production is, is a miracle in itself. I don't think it was ever conceived to be high art and it was never conceived to be really like a, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not nearly as clever it's a, to, to try to wrap up my rambling thoughts. It's not nearly as clever 
as Hot Tub Time Machine. Now, Hot Tub Time Machine is it totally nods to the '80s and, and Cusack stuff. But this thing, I you know, you can go into some clubs today and they still look like that. Right, sure. Like I just think the '80s happened to be where they set it, and so you have some of those details. But it's not really an '80s. And and Stacy Jacks, despite being a you know metal guy singing Paradise City and Pour Some Sugar on Me. There are plenty could of guys be, out there anywhere. making could music right rock. now. Yeah, could be Kid Rock who look exactly like Stacy Jacks. Yeah, there's nothing. There was nothing. Yeah, but, I mean, it's a great portrayal <laughs> of this rock god who is so deluded and lost his way. I, I mean, I think there's more there there. Yeah. to uh, Cruz's portrayal, like it's not just a one note joke. Whereas you know, uh, Depp was so winning as Captain Jack, but there was nothing deep yeah, about nothing it. Deep about but it. I think that there is, and Persall and I thought about this a little bit, because there's a speech that Tom Cruise gives in the movie where he's talking about how he can't be as Stacey Jack's complete because he has to give you something instead. You know, in order for him to survive, he's got to make sure you, you know, he lives up to your fantasies of him. And I think that and I so bought into this. I'm such a freak for this, uh, this role, but I think he was kind of talking about himself there. I think there was a little bit uh, that Tom Cruise, the hero worship and how we set people yeah. up. I drank the Kool-Aid baby. I know I did. You know what else I'd like to drink right now? The, the Saggies. You know, that sounds like the mystical tone of Reader Mailbag, but we haven't had any for so long. I'm not sure. Daily? It's stuffed, baby. It's stuffed like my bikini underwear. <laughs> like my liver. <laughs> it is. We have three letters today. Not one, not two, three letters today. Are you excited? I can't wait. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I looked ahead and cheated. I saw that somebody finally got our mystery movie moment that you refused to change. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, oh, we have lots of winners for these. All right, here we go. Uh, three letters in reader mailbag. Each one better than the next. Uh, letter number one is from Lana. Lana. La- Lani. Hey, Lani. Um, dear Stuck in the 80s, I just wanted you guys to know that you definitely have at least eight female listeners, me being the eighth. I love your show. I love everything 80s so much. From my favorite movie being Ghostbusters, I like that, to my favorite bands being The Cars and Huey Lewis in the News. I have a story about Huey Lewis, Lana. <laughs> Pull up a chair. Uh, I just bought an acid wash shirt yesterday. I wear my side ponytail while I don't have to ride my bike to work. Side ponytails and helmets don't go well together. Ooh, I, I have a thing for side ponytails. I have a thing for side really? ponytails. Yeah. Is totally. it because you had to see The Hunger Games so many times? <laughs> Uh, I live in Japan right now, and listening to your podcast always makes me feel connected to the America I love. I love that someone in Japan is listening to us. Man. I was born in 1984, but I'm in love with the 80s. Some of the best finds so far in Japan uh, have been a 1985 Japan tour sweater for Huey Lewis and the News. Well, that and original Back to the Future t-shirt. I look forward to your next podcast. Ooh, heart symbol. Lana, smiley face. Is that a heart symbol? Yeah, that's I always thought it was an ice cream cone. <laughs> it could be. A double scoop. Or like it kind of looks like boobies a little bit, too. Sorry. <laughs> um, Lana. Thank you, Lana. That's a delightful letter. Great letter. Just really straightforward, complimentary, nothing controversial. Side ponytail. What it's is with my... the side ponytail? Uh, you know, I don't know. I could delve into my psyche and probably find some sort of uh, reason for my love of the side pony, but I'm not mm, sure. Ooh, side pony. <laughs> wave off. Uh, Letter number two. Oh, this is a weird one. It's from Droids. From a fan known only 
as droids. And I imagine he is referring to these are not the droids you're looking for, correct? I would hope so. Who knows what droids? I find it hard to believe that as you guys get funnier, your audience is disappearing. Ouch! What the? We complained the last show, remember? Does he mean like our audience, like in the general sense, like we're all dying off or no, like think... stuck in the 80s audience? Well, because remember, we haven't gotten a lot of fan mail lately. We did this time. There are so many great comedic moments featured during each and every podcast. In total disgust, aimed at your so-called loyal supporters, I've been forced out of my cave to truly show my allegiance. There are legions of fans of this podcast who are not in the interactivity that society now seems to demand. Wow. I don't doubt that for a minute. Uh, I'm not on Facebook or MySpace. I've never tweeted or tweeted, unless it's a term your partner now uses for intercourse. And sees really no need to share my life with everyone. Man, droids is a badass. Um, you may never hear from me again. Oh, my cutting. Jeez. You may never hear from me again. But don't ever be mistaken. There are thousands and thousands of us hidden in the deep, dark, non-interactive recesses of society who truly love this podcast. Believe me, I think I went into a mini depression last summer during that long period between episodes when I thought it was the end. My 20-year-old daughter, who also shares my love for Stuck in the 80s, was seriously worried about my preoccupation in this matter. If you make it, we will listen. Thank you for all your hard work and dedication. Droids. <laughs> wow. You may never hear from me again. <laughs> well, droids, honestly, in all sincerity, thank you very much. It's a very intense uh, but earnest and uh, much appreciated letter. Yes, Steve? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love letters like this. The weirder, the better. You may never hear from me again. You usually have to get a Dan God... for a letter like this. Oh, jeez. And you know what? God bless droids for, I mean, you know, you and I... In order to kind of sell our wares and sell our goods, I mean, we got to play the Facebook and, and Twitter game. Privacy is at a premium these days, and we basically have none of it. You know, yeah. I also got to, you know, I, I put my crap on TV. I mean, you have the you have the blog. I mean, really, I mean, people know a lot about us more than you know, you know, other people. So yeah, so droids, God bless. I mean. You know, life is is crazy and full and wonderful enough without having to be on the computer all the time. And I, I kind of feel like a slave to my phone sometimes. Nothing going to stop. You know, I'm sucked in. This is this is the the, the job I chose. But you know, everyone kind of <sighs> I you know I like that. It. It's interesting. Droids. Good stuck letter. In, stuck in the ages growing up. Oh Jesus, I'm not. I'm growing down. Side pony. Woo, Stacy Jacks. Katniss Evergreen. <laughs> letter number three is from Johnny Vinyl in Australia. Dear Stephen Sean. Uh, excuse me, I had some Oreo creamsters earlier. <laughs> they seem to <laughs> be a road cookie? word for something. <laughs> they seem to re be repeating on me. Dear Stephen Sean, now that we are approaching two years since the proposed Australian music in the 80s podcast, I have for you an offer that is too, too good to refuse. You know, Johnny Vinyl, I should say that just yesterday, <laughs> Steve leaned over... Um, into my cube and said, you know, we should probably knock out the Australian <laughs> show one of these days. To which I gave him the finger. Uh, Johnny Violin continues, If you record and release this podcast, I will send you both a gift from my own vinyl collection. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Wow. For Steve, you can choose between two artists you have interviewed and mount these records on your wall collection. And for Sean, I have an interesting soundtrack I bought specifically with you in mind. Steve, you have the choice between Naked Eyes by Naked Eyes. Oh, man, I want that. A U.S. pressing released in 1983. Man. Wow. If you don't want that, I'll take it. <laughs> Or, Steve, you can get a 12-inch, 
insert joke here, Sean. <laughs> he said that. <laughs> of Andy Taylor's single Take It Easy from the film American Anthem. Actually released as Take In Easy in Australia in 1986. Funny. Uh, for Sean, I have the original um, soundtrack of the film Foxes from 1980. Uh, an iconic gatefold cover of the soundtrack to the film starring Jodie Foster and Scott Baio with original music composed by Giorgio Moroder and tracks by Donna Summer, Janice Ian Cher, and the iconic Keith Forsey, who co-wrote the theme to Flashdance for which he won an Academy Award. Man, what should I go for? Oh, oh. Go, go for Foxy. Yeah, I guess I get, I get one choice. You don't have a choice. Fox, yeah, choice. well, I, I wouldn't mind that Naked Eyes, but I will take the Fox. I'm going to take the Naked Eyes. And I this this Foxes, I better be able to play it too. I want this to be pristine vinyl I can play. Anyway, that is my best and final offer. Please, please, please let me get what I want. Uh, please, please, please let me get what I want. Tell me now. <laughs> <laughs> Will this be a kick in the pants you need to complete this podcast? Sincerely, Johnny Vinyl in Australia. Wow. Can you commit now, Steve? Yeah. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. We're, I think. Uh... Kathy Wass is now on summer break, so maybe we can get her in here because we need her. We need the the third leg of the tripod, and uh, and we'll bang that out. The notes are done. Dave Featherston basically gave me <laughs> everything I need. All we got to do is sit down and do it. Is uh, Jimmy Barnes on there? I don't think so. Damn it, I'm not doing. You know, it it's down. great though. I mean, I have the soundtrack. I, I I listen to it probably every week. The the, the twenty or so songs that that uh, that Dave sent. I literally listen to them every week. They're fantastic. Yeah, I, I've listened to him uh, a lot of times, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. Hey, listen, great letters this week. Keep it coming. You write us letters. We will read them on the air. Steve, where can they send their missives? As always, send them to stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. And I am so happy to announce... That we have winners <laughs> for the uh, the mystery movie moment that I, I gave you like nine months ago. Um, without further ado, here it is. Is anybody out there? Is anybody out there? That's not Night of the Comet. So was that one of the guesses? Hundreds of people guessed Night of the Comet. Why? I don't know. The, the real answer? DC Cab. I like DC Cab. I know. It's not that obscure. Well, we finally had two winners. And they are Tony in Indianapolis <laughs> and Libby Pelham. <laughs> <laughs> Libby was the first to get it. Who? Libby? Both Libby and Tony both emailed and said, I can't believe nobody else got it. Libby, you know? can we seriously send them something nice? Sure, yeah. Like some Oreo uh, Cakesters or Creamsters or whatever they Is that real? Did you really eat yeah, something called that? that? You haven't? No, it's called a Cakester. Ooh, what is they're, it? They're like a double stuffed, they're double stuffed Cakesters. They're like an Oreo, but that's been like injected with steroids and then somehow softened a bit. Oh, God. No, it's absolutely delicious. Is it? Yeah. Yeesh. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. That the, main, the thing to remember about comedy is if, it's, if it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it's not funny. If you know it, email us at stuckinthees.tempe.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. Ah, the mystical refrain of name that 80s tune. Hey, I'll play a snippet of a song from the 80s. And if you can get it right, um, I don't think we can actually send Oreo Creamsters in the mail. 
I think it's going to set off all sorts of they alarms. Might, yeah, they might explode. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Funyuns. I hid the Funyuns so Sean couldn't eat them anymore. I noticed that you hid the Funyuns. There's well, only kept, like 78 more bags. I just kept tripping over them. They were in the front of my cubicle. Literally. I went in. There was one day where I took two bags, then waited for you to go get your lunch, then I took two more bags. Really? Yeah, I, started, I, was, I was getting bad. I was starting to eat them all the time. You know what I can really so go delicious. for now, though? Munchos. I miss Munchos, don't you? Well, maybe we should change our sponsor from Funyun to uh, Munchos. You know, back in the day when we were heady and more full of ourselves, I actually did contact... Speak for yourself. Frito-Lay and ask them if they'd be willing to have Funyun sponsor Did you really? Us. Yeah. God, you used to be so brazen and bold. Before With your I was dreams. Gotten beaten down by the man. Yeah, you really did. Pay attention. Here was the last clip of Name That 80s Tune. Yes, that's In a Big Country by, yes, Big Country. Yeah, a lot of winners. Are you ready? My whole idea. Yeah, go ahead. Well, go ahead, go ahead. You can say it. No, my whole idea here was that I was. I want to do a podcast. Tell me if this isn't trippy. A podcast about songs named after the bands that perform them. So you have "In a Big Country" by Big Country. Wasn't that a suggestion from Sweet Lou? Sweet Lou Grill might have been. Yeah, Sweet Lou. Talk Talk by Talk Talk. Yeah. Uh, of course, um, Frankie Goes to Hollywood by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Uh, Sticks by Sticks. Uh, journey by journey, really? They have no, a song called Journey. The, none of the, like those last four. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are like five, five or six. Enough for a podcast. Uh, I'll do it. I'll sign on for that. Sure, why not? I uh, hear people who would love that show. They include Brenda in Australia. Hey, Brenda, what will you send us if we do Australia in the eighties? Now you sound like me. <laughs> Side ponytail photo. <laughs> Side ponytail. Uh, Art Love in Riverview, Florida. Rick V from New Orleans. Gary and Gilroy. Mike Martinez in San Antonio. Scott S. in Charleston. Dominic Casario. Crash from Long Beach. We love Crash. Chris from South Lyon. Kevin Wench. <laughs> Dan and McDonough. And not to be confused with the fan known only as droids, the man known only as Rowan. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery tune. If you know it, email us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. Join our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. And tune in next week to find out if you're a winner. The baby's due any day now, but everything's under control because they connected their computer to Prodigy, the new service from a partnership of IBM and Sears. Now she can order a playpen, start a savings account for Nick or Nicole, and order groceries. For $9.95 a month, Prodigy has hundreds of features to help you gain control of almost everything. Prodigy, finally, what the PC was invented for. See your dealer, see Prodigy, and see how you can win $25,000.
can we have just a few more minutes left? I want to talk a little bit more about Rock of Ages. Yes, um, go see it. I say go see it. What do you say? One hundred percent. You know, in fact, we had this. I, we had this conversation yesterday. Daly and I did whether he asked me whether I'd go see it again or not. And I said, yeah, but next time I'm not taking twelve pages of notes. And I'm sneaking in a bottle of wild turkey. Oh, good for you. Won't that That's be fun? fun? Don't you think it could be a fun like Midnight Midnight Madness movie? Do you still have those? I don't know. I'm never up that late. Yeah, I know. I passed out like 10.30 last night. Like, seriously, 10 o'clock to me is midnight. Here's the thing about Rock of Age. It's a little long. Two about, hours. Yeah, over two hours. It's, it, it, a buck 40, that thing would have been so much better. Like I was ready for it to be over. At the end, I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. My ass was falling asleep in my in my seat. The theater smelled like dirty socks and popcorn. <laughs> uh, I could see Prasal fidgeting in front of me. Daly kept looking over to see if I was crying. I did not look over once, as a matter of fact. I actually respected your uh, your tears and your privacy, and I did um, not get all up in your grill as soon as you uh, did that. Uh, Russell Brand. Oh, God. Russell Brand should, like, sue the makers. He got... You know, it's funny. Russell Brand's character... Um, Lonnie. Lonnie. In the play is the star of the play. He is kind of like the narrator, but also, you know, um, gets all uh, the good jokes. Yeah, he's kind of like the assistant to the club owner. Gets all the good jokes, and in the he's the weakest <laughs> by far, the weakest thing in the movie. Some of his jokes are so bad; it's like ah, like not unnecessary. Yeah, you um, know. But other than that, I still say, and, and I may I maintain this. Um, if you love the '80s, you'll you'll go you'll go and you'll see this movie, and you'll come out and you'll be glowing. If you don't love the '80s, nothing about this movie is going to change your mind. Hey, do you want to give? You did a great column in the paper about some a little. Uh, think, don't blink, and you'll miss them. Yeah, there's do you want to ruin? Do you want to ruin? Don't give them all of them, or do you want to give all no, of them? I'll, I'll but give a give bit. a few to look don't, for. There are uh, lots of real time rockers that uh, if you pay close attention, you'll see them, especially towards the end. See how many you can name. Um, many of them contributed to the soundtrack or their songs contributed to the soundtrack. <laughs> R.E.S.P. Wagon. And um, <laughs> let's see. How many of them have we actually interviewed? Most of them. Oh, wow. I'd like to interview Sebastian Box in there from Skid Row. I'd like to interview him. Spoiler alert, yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't spoil. Now Look you've for- ruined our great big epic Skid Row episode of Stuck <laughs> in the 80s. I think they're more I 90s Sebastian anyway. Bach. But um, there's that. There's um, You'll see uh, Constantine in there. Oh yeah, he is in there. Uh, you really got to pay attention. That comes and goes. But he fast. does get a singing part, like a for for three like three words. Yeah. Um, the uh, what else we'll see? Um, oh, there's a neat little. Uh, this is such a nerd thing. But when she's in, uh, when Julianne Hough as Sherry Christian is in Tower Records, looking at all those records, she sees a certain soundtrack. Right. That, if you know her previous work, is, sure. a, is a little nod. Yeah. Very inside joke, but I got it. Uh, and, and I chortled. <laughs> uh, yeah. An inside joke to people who saw the, um, the stage version of it. Um, obviously, her name is Sherry. Oh, so yeah. So you, 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 you expect to hear Steve Perry's uh, signature oh, song. Oh, yeah. But, and, you, and in the stage version, you do. In this, 
Not so you much. Kind of do. They play Starts with you a little bit. It's a funny, it's a, it's a mean little joke, but it's good. It's a mean good. little joke at Steve Perry's expense. Yeah. Anyway, it of course ends with the song that, that, that has come to, to signify uh, Stuckey and the 80s and the decade in general. That's the, the Journey Anthem, the heart thumper, as I like to call it. <laughs> the, when the fire alarm goes off and, and, and Spearsy's eyes spring loose with uh, yeah. tears of joy. And, of course, that's the appropriate way to end the podcast as well. Everyone joins in in the movie on... Don't Stop Believing, including Mary J. Blige, who anytime she was in one of the songs just kills it. And that's when I got it, missed it up, too. Yeah. Because she hit all these su- such hopeful notes, you know? I felt good. Yeah. Rock of Ages, I give it a B. Plus. Okay. I give it a B. <laughs> give it a B. But, but the 80s, I give it an A. And that's why Sean Dale and myself, Mary J. Blige, and of course, our new BFF, Tom Cruise, remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. Read our blog at TampaBay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. <laughs>